Hello, this is Ben Eshmaid and welcome to the King's Place podcast. From the 10th to the 11th of June 2016, poetry and lyrics come to King's Place, an eclectic series of events celebrating those who have expressed themselves in poetry, lyrics and melody across all genres of music. Produced by Poet in the City, the series features performances from Roger Robinson, John Hegley, Chris Wood, Disraeli, Ian Burnside and Nikki Spence, The Gentle Good, Haiku Salu and an exploration of poetry and lyrics hosted by Keris Matthews. We focused though on the last concert in the series, Tenderness and Rage, hosted by Six Music's Steve Lamack, who is joined by the adverts TV Smith, Pauline Murray of Penetration and Crass's Penny Rambo. The event's curator Steve Abbott joined me to talk about the connection between poetry and punk. For my country! The idea of punk was that anyone could pick up any instrument and play it to some level of success. Yeah, unfortunately it was in, in some respects because uh, a lot of people did. You know, they, they uh, cut their hair and went to um, Oxfam and bought a Burton suit secondhand, you know, and, and played their three chords. But of course, you know, that, that was uh, very much a, I suppose, a, a concise description of, of what was necessary. But really, you needed a voice. You needed to have something to say. And that was the difference. It wasn't just about those three chords. Those three chords are great because that voice could be harnessed to music for someone that hadn't had musical training or was, you know, I suppose, considered even a musician. But when the message was added, it just increased excitement. You know, there wasn't 15-minute guitar solos or, or, you know, 20-minute drum solos. It was all about sort of two- and three-minute songs that, that kicked the message straight at you. So you left a concert with your mind, you know, certainly song titles in your mind, and then you went further and saw the bands, you know, a few more times. You started to pick up more and more of the lyrics. Yeah, that's, that's quite interesting to talk about. I mean, we don't necessarily think of punk music and poetry in the same vein we we kind of have that image of punk being about attitude but not Mm. always about message well the attitude was really against the establishment you know and the establishment was riddled with discrimination you know of all types you know uh sexist uh, racist bigoted it was the old order you know and and punk Malcolm McLaren and the Sex Pistols made lots of, you know, great big statements about bringing down, you know, the the old order. Um, it was music at the end of the day, and I think the the main thing about it was that, you know, it was made for the times. You know, we did move into very dark times where communities were being broken up, and you know, immigration was an issue where it shouldn't be, you know, and it wasn't. Suddenly, it was made an issue by politicians, you know. So punk was really a way of, of unifying people. You'd go out, you know, with a couple of friends. And, and I, I grew up in Luton, so when we turned up at, at gigs, we were like United Nations, you know, a couple of Jamaican guys, an Indian, <laughs> a couple of Irish guys, an English guy, a Scotsman, you know. We'd turn up and, and we felt part of a community. You know, we'd meet people uh, of similar age. And because they'd latched onto this punk thing, a lot of them have similar state of mind that we were in, you know. I think it's quite interesting, maybe a slight digression, but not only were you inspired, but you sort of created your own band and well I say punk was very much born out of the community there was sort of a London scene a Manchester scene you know uh, some of the people we have on here you know Pauline is uh, from it was in a group called Penetration in the first wave you know she was from Ferry Hill up uh, near Sunderland you know that was a local mining community you know I, I grew up in Luton and we had nothing to do we were, as T.B. Smith uh, says in one of his lyrics, we were bored teenagers full of emotional rages. So we had all this stuff inside, but we didn't know what to do with it. So forming a band was something that gave a point to going to the pub, you know, gave a point to everyone getting together in the community and having a good time, you know. And, and there were all sorts of bands grew up around the band that, that we started in late 78 in Luton. And, you know, it became a community. You know, we looked after each other, we travelled together, you know, read similar books. I remember a copy of um, Oscar Wilde 
uh, doing the rounds. I remember Yeats' poetry book. I remember just saying the line, A Terrible Beauty is Born, when I discovered this line, great line at 17 in the pub at the end of one of the songs. Then I was like, wow, what a great phrase. What does that mean? And I quickly had to run back and, and uh, you know, back to the library the next day and find out what it was all about. Was there a certain sense with punk that, that these bands came along and they were sort of, they burned bright and then they would disappear again? Well, they would do because, you know, um, even talented musicians have that difficult second album. You know, authors have that difficult second book. Poets have that difficult second anthology. You know, once you do it and you've got that, that idea, you know, that, that idea that everybody's got one poem in them or one song or one great book mm. or one story or whatever, you know, it was very much like that, you know. And, and of course, the great thing about it was it was a singles. So you only had to have two songs. So those two songs would go out and, and you'd made your statement. And then you might make a second one. Making a rec- an album was a big, big step. Let's start talking about the event. So you've got someone who was a writer, I think, in that, in that era and obviously is now very much known for his work as a DJ, Steve Lamack. What's his job and role? Steve Lamack and Gideon Co. probably hold the torch for exciting new music across all radio, um, you know, guitar-based music. You know, Steve still listen to everything that gets sent to him you know as John Peel and John Walters did back in the day of course we deify John Peel but he wouldn't get a job on radio at the moment because it's all playlisted you know yeah. you know whatever radio station you're on uh, BBC or wherever you have a playlist put in front of you you might pick two or three of your own songs but you do feel with Steve and Gideon that they are picking their own music you know they will give a band a chance and, and play a record without having a plugger without having you know high social media figures and of course that's as close to the source as you can get far closer than pretty much any magazine out there or any, any website you know of any size anyway and you know what I wanted to do was in you know this era was all about people's champions people that you know weren't worshipped in the way that pop stars were worshipped but more because people looked up to them to say you know what you know I'll I'll, I'll take some ideas from them because I feel that I believe them there's a credibility there you know, and Steve definitely has that credibility. Let's run through the people who will be um, com- coming to perform. Um, let's start with um, the adverts, TV Smith. Well, I think TV Smith's lyrics were really important. Um, the One Core Wonders song, uh, the first single, you know, was basically stating the case for punk rock. You know, I wonder what we play for you tonight. Something heavy, something bright, something to set your soul alight. You may think we're a little bit obscure. We're not needed here because we're new wave. And, you know, it was, it was very much he was... Um, laying out the table of, of, of punk rock, you know, of, of what it was about, excitement of being in a band, and the old order would see them as one chord wonders, you know, mm. dismiss them. Of course, they became very popular. And what I loved about it, you know, there's a journey through T.B. Smith's lyrics in that, because this era we're talking about really is no more than two years. 24 months is nowadays, it'd be a flash, but it seemed a long time because there was so much activity, so many new bands, so many new regions, um, you know, suddenly be it being, being heard. And in that Bored Teenagers, you know, there's a great line, looking for love or emotional rages, you know, which is a real teenage, you know, encapsulates um, that, those teenage years, you know. What I also liked about it, there was, you know, it was also quite a big romantic idea. It's quite poetic in the way that he saw this sort of commonality between people that, you know, were from different races, different backgrounds, different regions, different countries, of course, because it wasn't just Britain. You know, it started in Britain, but this went to France very quickly, went to Germany. And then, then he had a song called Safety in Numbers, which was almost like, to me at the time, it like bookended the era. He almost said, OK, we've got this new exciting era starting with his first few records. And they came out with his Safety in Numbers. And it was like the optimism is over and the excitement and the purity are starting afresh. You know, music is attitude to life, he felt was sort of waning for whatever reason. And I'd love to know why he thought that. You know, the lyric was, what about the new wave? Will it change things or we just have Safety in Numbers? You know, now it's popular, can we say we've achieved something? Or is it just the fact that this was a great idea mm. that had a short, sharp impact and now it's over? 
And I, I love that. Uh, let's move on to Pauline Murray of uh, Penetration. Why was she important to you? Well, Pauline was important because she was from this Nowheresville, you know, no disrespect to Ferry Hill, because I'm from Luton, so I've got to be careful what I say. And their songs, again, they had this, um, you know, this sort of... Again, I hate to keep using the word romantic because I don't, you know, punk was all about reality. But lyrically, there was a lot of aspiration there, you know, and it was romantic because these were people that were writing these lyrics that, that really were in, in a dead end world. You know, they knew as their parents had been and their parents' parents, they knew where they were going to end up, you know, where they would finish their life if they could keep a job and what their pension would be and all that stuff, you know. You know, shared songs like Lovers of Outrage, Prisons of Disguise, Your Sentence is Never Through. You know, this is talking about people that are gay, people that, that are dressing loudly, people that, that like to wear creepers, you know, people that are different skin colour. Your sentence is never through, I thought was a great line because you carry that with your life. And in those days, that, that was very much, you know, before diversity was something that we discovered and, and, and introduced into our society, you know. And another song of her, Silent Community, was all about Ferry Hill. And the silent community, this, this mining community that had been absolutely pissed on by the, the coal board and then Thatcher, of course. And, but this, they had no voice. They had absolutely no voice. She brings very much the outline stories, you know, the, the fringe of, of what was covered in punk. And with a lot of these bands, um, you know, the, the name Penetration obviously yeah. creates whole load of associations in your head well I didn't I didn't understand that at the time I was only 16 in those days we were quite naive you know I thought it was penetrating sort of society you know and we'll have to well I don't know is it fair to ask her that perhaps Steve will ask her that question um, but you know it was what was great about Pauline was you know while she sort of uh, the lyrics were very much about her life and what she saw they were a great live band you know really great exciting live band and they still are, actually. I saw them a couple of years ago at um, a festival up in Blackpool, uh, the big punk festival, and they were as exciting as they were back in the day. One that I was a little bit more aware of that I've seen kind of mentioned quite a few times or have had a slight re-emergence is Crass. Well, Crass, you know, I, I promote them in a concert in Luton. And when I was in the band and, and our record company went under and we'd had a lot of trouble with the National Front and the British movement in those days, um, they'd smashed up one of our concerts in particular in, in Bedford. We had no money. We were absolutely on the backside. And from nowhere, Crass gave us £2,000 to make a record, probably our best record we ever made. So I had a warmth towards them. And I didn't know that much about their music in those days. It's funny, because we were travelling, you know, all the time in the back of a van around Europe. And this was before the days of Walkmans and, you know, social media. So you sort of, record shops is where it was at, you know. And anyway, so, you know, I got to know Penny probably about four years ago. Uh, somehow we hooked up. And he loves poetry. You know, he's a man of words. And... You know, the crass lyrics were obviously, dare I say, more important than the music. You know, the message that they uh, pervade, um, you know, it changed a generation. You know, they were very strong in their anti-politics, factory farming, uh, women's rights. And people might say, well, that's, that, that's quite harsh, their lyrics, you know. But I think there's a great poetic way in Crass's lyrics of basically, without, without them being corny or, or trite, they get a point across. Very, in a very direct way, but we're really good language. Um, Bloody Revolutions, they're single. You know, lots of questions. You talk about revolution, that's fine. What are you going to be doing come the time? You speak of liberation and when the people rule. But if only the people rule what now, what difference would it be? Just another set of figures with the rifle sights on me. You know, that stayed with me. I haven't heard the record <laughs> for quite a long time. That stayed with me because it was that whole idea of, you know, well, we're all looking for this revolution in punk, but what about the morning after? You know, what, what's it going to be? It's just going to be someone else controlling our lives, you know? Yeah. And, of course, they dug deep into this. So that's one side of Penny, but also the side the public probably don't see. You know, he's a very learned man, and, and when you visit him over in Epping, his room is just wall-to-wall -wall books. Poetry dominates his shelves. And so I thought it'd be 
perhaps an unexpected choice. Mm. He was around before punk and he lived through punk and he's still living, you know, so I was interested to have him because he's, I think he would probably have some great poetry uh, to bring to it as well as lyrics where we can sort of see that actually there's no difference. Going back to the event, will, will the will the artists be performing with their instruments? They certainly will. The artists will be performing with their instruments. TV Smith is bringing the guitar, and he's going to perform a few of his songs. Um, the ones that we, you know, he feels have that sort of lyrical content that we've been talking about. And Paulie Murray is actually learning a couple of songs on acoustic guitar that she's never had chance to, to to play herself, even though she wrote them back in the day. And so, yeah, so we'll have at least two of them for me. I don't think Steve Lamack will be, but um, if we get enough cider in him, perhaps he will. I wondered whether you'd thought about this, is the idea of these punk stars seeing themselves in a posh concert hall <laughs> many decades later, yeah. <laughs> reading out reading out their lyrics. I, I think that's maybe subversive in its own way. Yeah, interesting, because, um, you know, one of the things I learned from punk was, you know, don't shut out people that you consider alien to your culture or your ways. Actually, get amongst them, uh, whether that be to, to learn more about them, to understand them better, or whether it be to try and infiltrate them and, uh, <laughs> and enforce your ideas on them. So, you know, the idea of, of this being in King's Place is simply because I think Poet in the City do a great job with poetry. I think it's positive it's in King's Place because the facilities are good, you know. <laughs> it's got decent beer. When, you know, rather than if you do it in, the, in a pub nowadays, it's it's Bud Light, Miller Light, you know, Coors Light, Foster's Light, you know. Um, so every reason to do it here, really. And it's a reinvention of sorts. Yeah, I think one of the negative aspects about um, punk when we're sort of looking backwards is, is it's felt as an exclusive club and you either lived through it or you didn't. But so many people I know that um, were influenced by it were actually, you know, Elder brothers, elder sisters, younger. My son discovered it when he was probably 17. He discovered I was in a band when he was 17. He had no idea because I'd never told him, you know, <laughs> uh, much to his embarrassment. Part of, of doing events like this is to not demystify punk because, it, you know, it's hard to pull apart because it was a product of its times. And But I think it should be something that could be enjoyed by everybody. And what we're talking about is lyrics, you know, and punk lyrics obviously set the scene for many, many years to come because reality hadn't really been a feature outside of folk music and blues and reggae until punk came along. Punk opened uh, literature, you know, opened, you know, the idea that, the who's this guy Rimbaud, you know? Oh, he's a poet, geez, you know. Um, all of these uh, nom de plumes that people took and, and, and artists, you know, uh, within the groups, um, that was just a starting point. I suppose it, it made you think outside the box, to use a horrible phrase, and it still does. You know, it still stays with me because without it, I would probably still be aspiring to that job in the bank. Thanks to Steve for joining me and sharing his personal journey through punk and poetry. Tenderness and Rage, featuring the adverts TV Smith, Pauline Murray of Penetration, Crass's Penny Rambo and host Steve Lamack, takes place on Saturday the 11th of June in Hall 1. I'm Ben Eshmade and you've been listening to a King's Place podcast. For more details about these events and ticket links, please visit kingsplace.co.uk. You can also find and follow us on Twitter at King's Place and Facebook forward slash King's Place. Thanks for listening.